Welcome to the Thomas Anonymous Show with your host, Tommy Natoli. That's me. This is the best LGBTQ plus podcast featuring members and allies of the community. They share their experiences growing up, coming out, and all the fun in between. It's hilarious, poignant, and salacious. So you better buckle up, because it's going to be a truthful, sparkly ride. Yay, welcome to the show, and today... I have part two of my interview with the fabulous Bobby Oliver. What was it like for you back when you were uh, like on the road comedian? Basically, treat, treatment towards women. To, like, what was it like as a woman back then? Well, I hate to say as a woman, but like. But I mean, I am. A woman. You are a woman, and <laughs> so when I first started on the road, I was so young, and I look back on it now, and I was so young and naive. I didn't know all the horrible stuff that could happen, mm. and I didn't know how dangerous it was and all. So I was just like, "Yeah, I'll get in the car and drive to another state I've never been to and find this." <laughs> This comedy condo in the middle of the night at some point with these two people I've never met before. Yeah, so, you know. Comedy was like your rest stops. It was, except That's, I didn't fuck the guys in the true, comedy true, condo, but, thank God. But, like, it sounds oh crazy God. when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, and I was, I even talked about this in an open mic once. There were no cell phones when I was mm. on the road. There was no internet. There were no cell phones. But you had to do radio interviews. And you had to drive to the gig, and the gig's like eight hours away or whatever. So I and it was always a fucking morning show. Ugh. So I'd have to stop, and I'd have to plan it. So I'd have to stop at a truck stop and be in a phone booth on the <laughs> phone to the radio guys, being all witty and mm. funny for the radio interview. So they come to the show that night, and I'm in a phone booth. Trucks going by really fast. <laughs> it's fucking loud and smelly, and I'm like, "Hi, Bob. I'm gonna be at Crackers tonight." Or, <laughs> Whatever the fuck it was. Oh, my God. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, who was that person? <laughs> who was that person? Now, if people are like, oh, you want to do this gig in Hollywood at 10 o'clock? So I'm like, 10 o'clock? Yeah. What the fuck do you take me for? You know? But I was like, yeah, I'll be the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's insane. But what it was like is, at first, you're so excited to be doing comedy for a living. You're so excited to be getting paid, even shitty pay, mm. that for the first few years, you're like, oh my God, this is my life. Mm. And then after that, you're like, oh my God, this is my <laughs> life. You're like, oh, fuck. Because there's nothing glamorous about it. You're not on the high road. You're not on the Chris Rock road. Right. You're on the dirt road. You're on the low road. Yeah. You know? you're, like, you're, nobody's flying you anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in your shitty car. Nobody's reimbursed you for gas and oil changes and right. you know i put a, a thousand miles a week on my car for eight years oh my god i would always come home on sunday night after the last show because you're usually almost you were almost always off on a monday because comedy just didn't used to happen on mondays still back in the day now <laughs> places are open on mondays but. so and then i would and then i would leave again tuesday morning so i would never i never did any gig that was more than a like a you know, 12 to 20. Well, I have done 20 hour drives, but oh mostly like a, you know, 10 or 12 hour drive. So you can get home, you leave after the last show and you get home in the middle of the night, you get to be there all day Monday and then you leave Tuesday morning right. again. So I could have worked even more states. I worked about 14 states regularly. Um, oh my God. I, I've done comedy in 25 states, but I mostly know 26 because I did 
Port, Portland last year. So it's just, it's a lot, you know, there were, like I said, there was no internet. You were alone in the hotel. That's crazy. There was no laptop. There was no Twitter. There was no on my phone feeling like you were connected somehow to the rest of the world. You were just fucking alone. What'd you do? And in order to talk to Chris, I'd even have to like give him my credit card at the desk so they could charge my phone calls. On oh the th- my God. Yeah. And I was poor. I didn't even have, by the way, a debit card when I first started. Mm. That's how long ago, you know. Oh my God. I graduated from college in 1991, and I stayed waiting for Chris to graduate. And then in 92, we moved to Athens, Georgia. I went on the road. And, uh, yeah, it got, you know, you're always with some guy. Here's the thing. There are guys, and they have kids on the road. They haven't seen their kids in two months. Hmm. They don't even care. They don't even <laughs> talk about them, you know? And that's why they always tell female comics don't have kids. Yeah. Because a woman can't leave her baby. I mean, you can, but then you're the asshole. Right. You know, right. you're the deserter or whatever. Jeez. But man doesn't know what his fucking kids look like. That's fine. And they're always like, let's live this rock and roll life. And I had stopped drinking already by then. I'd been in AA for years. Right. I mean, I drink now. I, I don't drink, but I don't not drink, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to get high. And pot was really hard to find. Oh, and sucks. I would just sit in my room, masturbate a lot. Of course. Watch TV, uh-huh. get Taco Bell. It was so lonely. Yeah. And I don't like to be alone. But when, So it wasn't ideal for me. Right. So it was very depressing. But so you're either in some shitty hotel. They put you in the shittiest hotel, in the shittiest room in the hotel. You're like always over the construction or whatever. <laughs> or you're in a comedy condo with two strangers, and it's always two other men. Ugh. I was on the road full time for eight years. I only stayed in a comedy condo with a woman two times. Oh, my God. Two times. And I'm sure, I'm guessing, they're not always, like, the best, most fun kind of guys to be no, around. they're drunk. Right. They're rapey. Mm-hmm. You know, and comedy condos make frat houses look immaculate and, cl- and <laughs> sterile. They're, you know, it's disgusting. Like, I would always bring my own sheets and comforter and pillows because it's like there's jizz everywhere. <laughs> you know? And there's, like, one, you know, like, somebody wrote on the art. There's, like, one fork in the kitchen is bent. You know, like they have a kitchen, but it's all disgusting stuff or not enough stuff or what, you know. Oh, my God. So it's like everything's broken and, yeah, it hasn't been cleaned. So it's, you know, it's not glamorous. At first, you just can't believe they're they're letting you do this. Yeah. And then you're like, why am I doing this? (laughs) This is horrible. So I moved to L.A. to sleep in the same bed every night. Yeah, so you did the road, like doing the road is what made you move to L.A.? Yeah, because I didn't know that L.A. don't pay. Right. L.A. don't pay. <laughs> yeah, Do comedy. not move here. <laughs> L.A. does not pay money. No, it does not. <laughs> so I sold my big house on four acres with my huge wraparound deck and my jacuzzi tub. Oh, my God. I had the biggest tub and moved to L.A. not knowing a fucking soul. How how uh how long ago was that? Like when did you? How long have you been in LA? Twenty one years. Twenty wow. So I started doing comedy at eighty eight. Started doing theater when I was fourteen. Started doing comedy when I was nineteen, and produced my own shows at college because the punchline wouldn't let me do an open mic because I wasn't twenty one, and I didn't have enough courage to be like, but I'm just going up. Can't I'm just performing? Can't somebody? Watch? You know, I was just like, okay. So I started a group at school, comedy group. That's how I met. My husband, Chris, comedian Chris Oliver. Um, and so I produced my own show. At night. I produced the first show I was, a comedy show I was ever in because the opportunity did not exist for me. So you just made so it So I happen. just made it. I just created it. Oh, my God. You know? So you were like 29 when you moved here. 
around then, right? I was 28. 28. I was already too old for LA. You were already, you grew out of the system. I was already dead. (laughs) (laughs) I had aged out. Yes. Was the comedy in LA a lot like it is now, or has it changed drastically, or what's the difference between like now and then? I mean, it's changed in the way that the whole world has changed since then. And like I said, more marginalized voices, and there's more, there's always been a million people doing comedy. I mean, I started in 88. That was the boom. So yeah. there's always been so many comedians. But now comedy's changed in that all the good-looking people are doing it, too. Yeah. And actors are doing it so they can get seen and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. The only thing that comforts me is that most people who are doing comedy will not still be doing it in five years. That part's true. So when someone's annoyed, I'm like, you won't be here in five years. Yeah, you just wait them out. <laughs> <laughs> but the first two gigs I had in L.A. paid. Oh, well, that's a mean impression. Like, it took that gave me you a, a while to get it. I was like, I don't understand. So I did the Bicycle Club Casino. I knew, so at this chick, I don't know, do you know the comedian Roxy Rich? No. Well, that's not a real name, but we went to college together. She joined the group that Chris joined that I started. Oh, and okay. she did stand up. So she lived here. So we kind of knew her, but weren't close with her. <laughs> yeah. So um, she booked me a, a, a gig she was doing at the Bicycle Club, and I got paid. And it was terrible. I bombed. Oh. I was still doing... Uh, when, after after the first two gigs here, I threw away my old act and started all over again. But what was your old act? My second gig was at the Comedy Store, and it paid. What? What? What's going on? Yeah, this comic named S. Rachel Lovey, who I just put on the 50 over 50 comedians to watch. She had a show called... Women in comedy who don't have their own TV show yet. Oh. And she paid. Jackie Cation was on that show. She had just moved here. Wow. So, um, yeah. So I didn't know, still didn't know that comedy didn't pay. But I bombed in that show, too. Shit. So I was like, fuck, what have I done? What's I quit my job. I sold my big, gorgeous house. I had a creek. <laughs> I had a creek. Oh, my God. Okay. So... And you were bombing with your old act. Yes. You, you were just doing yes. your act. Yes. And because here's the thing. First of all, it was like hick town comedy versus L.A. comedy. But it was also road comedy. Yeah. Road comedy and like L.A. comedy are completely different. And if you, and, and going on the road can be detrimental in that if you're on the road too long, you get a road act. Right. You get the kind of act that's kind of lowest common denominator mm-hmm. that appeals to all these different kinds of people in all these different cities and states. And it tends to be like very stripped of any kind of edge. Yeah, or, yeah. So I threw it away and just started. I got, You know, I had to get a job. I had not had a job, a real job in years. I had just been a cop. All my friends thought I was insane. <laughs> my friend Tom Simmons thought I was insane. He still does. But for moving here. But I gave up. And then I came, I was a maid. I immediately became a maid. Chris, too. We cleaned houses for this company. Oh, wow. Then we became telemarketers. Then I became a nanny. And he went to work at, you know, some hospital and then Pepperdine University and then all this stuff. So, um... I had to get a. I suddenly had to get a job. I had to get up in the morning. I had to be somewhere eight hours a day. Oh my god! You know, it was really, really strange. But so, but what happened is I started living life, and I started becoming, you know, accustomed to California. And I so I started writing a lot. So I started building a new act from there. Nice. And was doing open mic at this place called Kindness of Strangers. What is? It was a coffee is, shop. Oh, okay. But I met a lot of great people there. But. They, they, we just called it kindness. We used to call it unkindness, really. 
um, <laughs> at this place called an urban cafe, which I think still exists. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, work, just do it, you know, because for one thing, I've always been liberal, but I was surrounded by conservatives. Right. So I was doing, and I was doing comedy in like redneck bars that had like cow hide and I don't mean leather I mean cow hide <laughs> on the stools oh my god and sawdust on the floor in biker bars I used to do this biker bar in Alabama twice a year and they loved me oh my god who is this person oh you know? my god so I was doing the kind of comedy that wouldn't get you killed in a biker bar in Alabama right you know so and I'd always been feminist when I started my first jokes my first set when I was 19 years old was making fun of men but I never, which that is not what feminism is. <laughs> it's not making fun of Dear men. Dear Bobby. <laughs> but I just, you know, it was like, there's a direct connection between the male genitalia and the male personality. And that if you have one, you are one. Right. <laughs> that was one of my 19-year-old jokes. But anyway, so I had been doing like road comedy on the East Coast. So I had to just start living life and writing. Because when you're, when you're on the road, another danger of being on the road is you're not having an actual life. Yeah. So you don't really have anything to write jokes about. But like Taco Bell and TV commercials. Because you're not really... You're not experiencing You're not anything, seeing really. anything. Like one of the, I had a gig in Sandusky, Ohio. Everybody said to me, who I've told this to, Oh my God, what was the world's largest roller coaster like? And I'm like... <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> I can tell you what the bar there was like. I, didn't cut, yeah. we I had to get up and drive to the next. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to see anything good or have any fun. And then when you do, when you are somewhere for a couple of days, you can't have some fun, you're alone. Right. Like, I got tickets to an amusement park. I went alone. It was the saddest. <laughs> I went to this thing in Silver Springs where they have the glass bottom boats and you can see the alligators and oh, stuff cute. under the boat by myself. <laughs> I was like, and, that, and there was no back to the boat. It was kind of like just open to the water. I was like, I'm going to get eaten by an alligator <laughs> by myself. <laughs> So I got to the movies by myself, eating in the restaurants. By, and I hate being by myself. Yeah. So it was murder for me. Oh Plus, God. being a woman, guys were always trying to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Guys were always trying to fuck The guys in the condos were always trying to fuck you. Somebody wrote me a note on a napkin and gave it to the waitress. You know, you and I, I'd just done a whole set about my husband. And then he wrote me and asked me if I wanted to hook up at the condo we were both about to go back to. <laughs> he gave it to the waitress. Oh, my God. Um, plus, just lots of assholes who weren't trying to fuck you, but were just dicks who were like the star of the bar whenever they oh, came here. They God. thought they were the shit, you know? Star of the bar. And when, when like, what brought you to, like, what, how did teaching, like, okay. when did you... So, I had those couple of jobs at first where I was, like, a maid and a telemarketer. Those didn't last very long. I settled into a great job as a nanny for my friend Joanne, the doctor. You know that really good-looking blonde? She look, kind of looks like Luann. She's got long blonde hair. She's been to all my parties. I'm but sure she's I've my doctor her. friend. Okay. Uh, and was my doctor for a while. I became her nanny. After I'd been here a few months. And I'm still friends with her son. The ones who, the pot. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. The one who said that when he was 16 and somebody smoked a joint in front of him for the first time, he was like, oh, this is what Bobby's house always smelled like. Um, so, yeah, so I started working for them. And that really enabled me, because I had a day job, that really enabled me, you know, to go out at night and do comedy at night. Right. And, you know. And so I'd had I'd been living life and being around people. Plus, 
her mom was fabulous. Her mom was in the Foreign Press Association. Oh, she was Swedish, and so she knew everyone from the Golden Globes. And they would have a big party at Joanne's. They still do, but her mom passed away. They have a big party at Joanne's house every year for for Christmas and Glug. They would make Glug or whatever the fuck, some Swedish drink. Oh. And so we got to hang, you know James Karen who just passed away from Poltergeist? Oh, yeah. We got to hang out with him every year. Oh, man. Uh, Bo Svensson, Sally Kirkland. Oh, my God. Like, we got to hang out with all these, like, old school movie stars all the time. So anyway, I, I started, like, interacting with people and living a life uh-huh. outside of the road. Right. And um, started working on a set and working at open mics and stuff. So then I entered... Uncle Clyde's Comedy Contest. Oh, I've, I remember hearing about that. I had met some friends at Mike's, and they had told me about Ha Ha Comedy Club. And Barbara and Dave, who own Flappers, uh-huh. Barbara Holiday and Dave Reinitz, they were putting on this contest called Uncle Clyde's. And you could compete. It was eight weeks. You could compete. And then the eight winners came together and competed at the end. And so I just thought it would be, you know, a fun thing to do. Yeah. And um, they... Uh, it was it's basically a breaker, you know, because it's audience, you know, audience votes. <clears throat> right. So I didn't I didn't think I had a chance, but I just thought it'd be good to come do my new set. Yeah. And so I ended up I won the and I had no one in in the room. I didn't know anyone, but I had like no one in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won, and then the finals I won of the eight weeks, and the guy who had second place had twenty people there. What? So, yeah, I had a strategy. I told everybody, if I'm your favorite, but you have to vote for your friend, vote for me second. And so, like, all these people would vote for their friend first, but, like, everybody voted for me second. Uh. <laughs> so I got the most things because everybody voted for me you second. You still got to vote yeah. every round or whatever. Yeah. So the prize was I won a week at the Riviera in Vegas, doing, oh. doing 14 shows at the Riviera. Nice. And then also I entered. I ended up entering a couple different comedy contests after that. One was at this Japanese place, and you won, like, $100 at a Japanese dinner for four or whatever so i went and i was using the money from comedy contests to help pay my rent mm. um and full well knowing that comedy contests are not real actual judges of who the best right. comic is i right. mean <laughs> i was the best comic but that just happened to be good judges good, good luck. Yeah. um and then just started to you know but then so then uh nikki got to be four years old his dad was like you know he was starting preschool and so his dad was like i can take care of him uh, when he gets home from preschool. And so I had been, they hired me because I was a college graduate. And so I was teaching him from the time he was a, an infant. I was holding up National Geographic magazine and pointing to stuff and talking and singing and always. Oh, that's awesome. We were always, you know. And so that's why they hired me. And his dad was just a fucking idiot. Just such an asshole. I started taking the kids to my house every day because he was a documentary filmmaker and then couldn't get work because he was an asshole and he was always there. So anyway, he decided <laughs> he would be a much better caretaker than me. And so when Nikki went to preschool, I had to find a job. So I temporarily went to work at Pepperdine with Chris, Pepperdine University, which is a Church of Christ <laughs> university. They made us go to church. I had to go. My department had to go to convocation once a week. Chris's department did not. Oh, my God. So uh, but that's an... I, it was like a two-hour drive to Malibu. So I ended up getting what I thought was the same job at PCC for much more money. But it turned out that I was actually the boss of the office, and I didn't even know till my first day. 
I didn't realize I'd even I'd been hired to be the head of the department until my first day. That was because what? the money was not good enough. Mm. Um, but anyway, so I went to work for PCC, and while I was working at PCC, you know they have extended learning centers where mm-hmm. they offer all these workshops, and it's like art, and, you know, calligraphy, and I don't know, photography, whatever. Yeah. So I decided I had seen the Glendale one, and they had some chick teaching stand-up comedy who had never once seen on the comedy scene ever. Mm-hmm. So, well, if that bitch can teach comedy, I can fucking teach comedy. Yeah. So, I'd been doing comedy about 16 years at that point. So, <coughs> I pitched the class to the Extended Learning Center, and they were like, yes, definitely. So, I started teaching it there. My first session, I had 22 students. So, it was at the school? It was at PCC. Oh, my God. It was a non-credit class. <coughs> and I mm-hmm. barely got paid anything. I only got paid like $25 an hour. It was wow. stupid. Mm-hmm. But they made me take, they wouldn't let me put a limit of the number of people, and they wouldn't let me go over two hours. So they made me do 22 people in two hours. Oh, great. And they didn't want us to have a grad show. So they really gave me no flexibility mm-hmm. whatsoever, and I was enjoying it. So I did two sessions there, and then I decided I would just rent a room at the Ice House. So I called the Ice House, and I talked them into it. Well, I, they, I left messages, and they never called me back, and then one day... The right person heard my message and called me back. And I ended up renting the annex mm. first. And then I had to, like, I, I, I didn't realize that PCC had sent around, like, 10,000 brochures in the mail to everyone in <laughs> yeah. Pasadena. But, and I was like, oh, i got to tell people about this. So it ended up costing me a lot of money at first for the advertising and renting the room and trying to get students and then I eventually raised the price on it more and more. Like when I taught the class at PCC, it was $75. Wow, for like how many? Eight weeks? Yeah, or like six. And now it's $400. Wow. For eight weeks. But, um, so, the, yeah, then I, you know, and then after I was there for a while, I made a deal with them to take, to do the main room, and then it broke into two classes, and then it broke into three classes, and then I had an improv class, and I, I quit my job. You know, I, it was funny because I started teaching the class in 2004. I also started getting my master's in 2004 <laughs> because I, I was like, okay, I work at a college. The only way to move up into college is to get more degrees. So I was like, if I want to be a dean, you know, I need to get a master's. So I started going to, to get a master's while I was teaching comedy. When I when I was in grad school, okay, I was in grad school. I had a full-time job running the missions and records office. I taught comedy once a week, and I taught improv once a week at the L.A. Music and Art School. Jesus. And had a full, t- you know, was, yeah, in, like, was in grad school. Geez. Chris is in grad school. He works 17 hours a week. <laughs> it's killing him. Okay. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm just kidding. I know he's going to hear this. No, he's doing great. He's doing great. Um, but I was much younger, too. I wouldn't want to do that now. But uh, so basically, I started teaching in 2004. By 2005, the class was already making me more money than my full-time job. Mm. Nice. So I was like, I could quit. But I had already started this thing. So I worked, let me hit the ball. Yeah, it's important. I had worked at the non-credit division of PCC called the Community Education Center, which is where Chris teaches ESL now. Oh, okay. My husband. So that is a school. It's a free school for people who want to learn to speak English or want to take high school classes, but don't want to get... You can also get a GED, but if you want the high school diploma, 
which is what you need for certain colleges, right. you can actually take high school classes there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and like free business classes, how to, how to use computers and stuff like that. Just free classes. So everybody at, on the credit side of PCC, when they wanted to register, when they submitted an application, uh, uh, an appointment was generated for them for when they would register for their class. And they would either go to, in person or just register online or over the phone. They mm-hmm. had those three options. Okay. On our non-credit side, the high school kids, they had an appointment for when they could come in. The business classes, or none of the other classes were ever so full that it ever mattered. People could just come in and apply whenever they wanted to. Everyone who applied got accepted. Yeah. So, but the ESL classes were, were very popular because they were free, and a lot of people need to learn to speak English so that they can get jobs and communicate and, you know, whatever. So the classes were so popular, and they did the registration first come, first served. Oh, no. So like a fucking open mic at the Laugh Factory, (laughs) people would have to come stand in line at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. With their children. Because think about this. This is the population that is the most vulnerable. They don't have a lot of flexibility with their employment. With taking a day off or whatever, they don't have a lot of childcare options. Like, like it was a, it was incredibly difficult for it would be difficult for anyone to register for a class that way. But because the vulnerability of that population, it was just it, it really just seemed to me like racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Everybody else got treated like a human being. Why the fuck couldn't we do? So I proposed the radical idea that we. The application generates an appointment for them, and they can come. And then they can come during that appointment. It's all, it depends on when they, you know, sign up when they re- apply, and also that we create the option of telephone or computer enrollment, and and that we have waiting lists. You know. Yeah, you're like the, bringing them into the the present times of like how right. they should how, do things. Right, how they should do things. Yeah. How it just makes sense that they should do things. Yeah. So I had the idea. Everyone lost their minds. <laughs> you had thought I proposed that we burn a cross mm-hmm. on you know on the property, but <laughs> so, no, they probably would have been into that actually. <laughs> um, so they said it can't be done. There's no way it can be done. I kept I kept lobbying the main campus. I was like, please, can we get this done? You know, we got it. And so nobody was interested. Nobody gave a fuck about the non-credit free classes. They didn't care about the human beings, you know. So then one day, a chick was graduating, and she was being honored for something in front of all of these important people. And she said, I remember when I first started at CEC, I was, you know, I started at, when I started at PCC, I was first over at CEC, and I learned, you know, to learn English. And I remember I used to come every semester at 4 a.m. and stand in line for hours until I could get my class. And the president was so embarrassed (laughs) that that was said publicly that he immediately, you know, went to the head of admissions over there and was like, we got to do it. And she's like, Bobby, I was trying to tell you oh my god so anyway so trailblazer it was it was a huge thing and nobody wanted to do it and so i tell you this to tell you this i could have quit my job in 2005 
that I was making enough money to quit. But I knew that if I did, that program, would just, no one would do it. Right. It was so much work. It was so much effort. It took a long time and a lot of work. And I knew no one would do it because all the counselors liked only having one day to have to deal with the ESL students. Right. They didn't want to have to come every day to work. Right. You know? So I stayed, <laughs> I stayed a year after I could afford to quit a full-time job at which I had to be at 7.30 every morning at my desk. Crazy. So that I could fit, so that they would... That because I had to like have this practically this this flirty affair with the guy on main campus who was the guy in charge of the computer program that had to be written and done, uh-huh. and so I had to like go to lunch with him all the time. One time he tried to kiss me. <laughs> Chris knows all about this, so you don't have to. Do but anyway, I had to keep the you know I had to like you know it took a lot of work. So anyway, I didn't quit until two thousand six wow. because I and they still do it, and sometimes Chris said. They still talk about how it happened. But I did my thesis on that for grad school because I finished grad school even though I didn't have to because I'd already gone to like half of it. Right. So I was like, I might as well do the other half, you know. Yeah. In case I ever have to return to the job market, you know. So, um, yeah. I know that's a long, crazy story, but... No, that's crazy. Oh, but I did my thesis on it about employee reactions to organizational change. And I went back, and it turns out that everybody was all suddenly had been for it the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, of course. The whole time they thought it was a great idea. They backed it. Now that it was working beautifully, but everybody kept saying it'll never work. They kept saying they can't. ESL students can't register online and on the phone because they don't have because they don't speak English. I said, "Oh, but they can drag their kid to translate with them at four o'clock in the morning." Right. But their kid wouldn't rather just sit down and go boop boop. You're in your class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah, I think it was just racist, just a fucking racist as fuck policy that oh well they're just ESL. And here's what gets me: people are like you want to learn to speak. They do. They try. Yeah. They're trying. And the policy was probably so old, like, so old. It never occurred to anybody to just be like, this program is too popular. But that's like the life factor. you got to go at four in the morning. Or that's where it used to be. I, my friend Phil and I went out there. You know, the, the sun wasn't even up. I was like, well, if we don't get on the list, we can always shoot a deer. <laughs> I mean, we're up. I've never done that. I've never gone to those open mics, it's like not, those major club. I wouldn't even. Know. I don't think it's worth it, but I'm bitter. I mean, I wouldn't know. It's it's a three minute it's a three minute spot usually, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous, and you have to go put your makeup on in the bathroom of Denny's or whatever. Good God! Yeah, who is that person? Who was I that used to do that shit? All right. Do you want to answer some actor studio questions? Yes. You know how they ask the 10 questions? I just mm-hmm. stole that, and I'm going to ask people. All right. Is it the same questions? It's according okay. to the internet, yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what they are, so they'll be a surprise. Okay, cool. I used to watch that show like at Patty's all the time. Um, okay, so number one, what is your favorite word? Huh. See, you know when people say, what's your favorite this or that? Like, what's your favorite song? And then you immediately forget every song that ever exists. Yep, Totally. <laughs> I mean, I say fuck a lot. There's a favorite curse word oh. question coming up. I know, because that's my go-to. What if like, if yeah. I had to pick one word, it'd probably be fuck. But I like words like bubble and puppy and things that have, like, alliteration and they sound cute. And... I love alliteration. There is something about it that really... I'm into it. Hey, who wouldn't love, like, a puppy blowing bubbles? Oh, my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just feel like that should be on a notebook. Okay, number number two. What is your least favorite word? 
I used to hate the word cunt, but then I started hanging around with British chicks, so they said it all the time, and it had a completely different um, feeling for me. I'm not a fan of the word cock. I still feel about cock the way I used to feel about cunt. I feel like it's a punch in the face. Interesting. Yeah, it's just too aggressive a word. It's a hard word. Yeah. Cock. C's and K's. Yeah. <laughs> what turns you What turns you on? You mean, ha- like makes me happy or sexually? I, I guess what makes you happy, like what? I mean, as you know, I don't believe in happiness. And by the way, <laughs> that whole don't ask me the positive vibes from this. Don't ask me what good thing. No, because I don't, I don't no. believe in positivity. No, we don't I, do You know, that. my people don't do optimism. We <laughs> no. see it as a sign of weakness. We've given that part up. Yeah, okay. I like to believe that every every silver lining has a cloud. Um, it's true. But I mean, honestly, now, I, I work all the time and I never get to, I never have any fun. I like to just hang out with my, I have three pugs. You've heard them throughout this, probably. Um, I like to hang out and just watch like Buffy yeah. or some st- stupid thing with the dogs and, mm-hmm. you know. What turns you off? Honestly, I just cannot be around Trump supporters at all. It's not a difference of politics anymore. It is not, um, you know, oh, I believe in lower taxes. It's not shit it's, like I that know. anymore. It's, it's, it's like you don't believe that our fellow human beings have a right to exist. It's like we're a different kind. You're a different not species, but like yeah, like like we're Neanderthal, and they're like, we're a different kind of thing. I don't know enough about stuff to say what the other one was. We're one of us is Neanderthal, and the other one was whatever came before that. Uh, yeah, Cro-Magnum, I think. Um, but it's like yeah, I can't and and like I have a real, I have a real, I'm a I'm a really good person. I have, you know, I have a real soft spot for homeless people, mm. and I was trying to give homeless people five dollars, and I get really, I, I really hate the way people treat homeless people. Like my daddy's girlfriend was like in Georgia, they know to stay under the bridges. Well, I was like, they're LA, not trolls. They're like, <laughs> there's so many of. I mean, there. It's just, and we're not. And I don't understand why we have such a good economy in California, and this is happening. Right. And it's actually my biggest fear too. Like, I feel like the apocalypse has actually already started for them. Mm. What is it like? Thirty thousand people, or something, or is it even more oh, in, in LA that are homeless? That they're already living the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Shit. You know. And every time I drive by, you know, I just have, I, and I know $5 is not helping anybody, but, um, I, you know, my dream would be to open a place that had bathrooms and showers yeah. with soap dispensers and so people could go in with dignity and use the bathroom and take yeah. a shower, you know, whatever. I don't like people who are cruel to people who are less privileged than them. Big turn off. I want to use my power, my comedy powers for good. Yeah, absolutely. And not evil. You're a superhero. Yes, I'm perfect. In every I don't way. like the next two. I have questions. no flaws. You're you're perfect. It's what sound do you love and what sound do you hate? I love the sound of children laughing. I know that sounds like something you see in a Hallmark card, but I love children so much. I love babies. I love kids. There's a baby that lives over there next door. They're our porch neighbors, and like I hear the baby crying, and she goes out on the porch and sings to him, and it's just like, um, oh my god. Kids are pretty magical. Yeah, I, some people hate kids. Like Sally fucking hates babies and kids. I love them. Yeah. Um, maybe because I couldn't have them. I don't know. What sound do I hate? I don't know. This the screaming on TV. The Trump 
You yeah. know, every oh, time. Oh, God, that's a great one. Every time they that's play his rallies or whatever, I just change the channel or I pause it until it's yeah. been long enough that I can fast forward it. It used to be like I couldn't even watch the news for like the first two months or something. He was let, like, you know, like when he won, I, w- I turned off my phone and went to bed and got under the covers and put them over my head. And like, I had to be in like a cocoon. I had to mis- medicate myself that night because I couldn't sleep and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I went to bed before it actually was called, and then, like, just I wasn't asleep, and then just stayed up until 4 a.m., and then finally turned on the TV, and it was like, ugh. I knew enough about the math on uh, what we had left that long before they called it, I was like, this is mathematically impossible. Like, And, and I, I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. Like, I thought I had, like, a lottery ticket. I was sitting there with, like, this $25 million lottery ticket or $100 million, whatever. It was a lot of money. And um, I thought they were about to announce my winning number. Yeah. And yeah. instead, they were like, you have terminal cancer. <laughs> I'm like, what? I didn't just, like, not win the lottery. I, like, also now have terminal cancer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh so, yeah, it was uh, I keep the sound of Donald Trump's voice. The election is, like... Not like, but like, everyone knows and remembers where they were for 9-11. Yeah. And then also the election. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. Classic. I mean, it must be. I say it all the fucking time. I think mine is as well. What profession other than yours would you would you do if you weren't doing I you would do? be a designer. I would flip houses. Oh, yeah, I you would. would. Be a yeah, designer. you would. I would go to, like, old home. I mean, I would have a crew of people who knew what the fuck they were doing. Of course, yeah. But I would go to, like, old craftsman homes. Or not, like, old ass, like, you know, ridiculous. But I would go restore things to their... You know, my parents owned an antique store after they had their very... You know, my daddy quit the job at the trucking company, opened an antique store. My family restores furniture. They recane furniture they reweave they're they're one of the few people uh, nobody does it in my family anymore now that my daddy's sick but who hand hand weave it's called caning seats and backs to like rocking chairs and stuff oh, wow. like you have a bucket of water mm-hmm. and there's cane in a circle in the water and you have a, like a, a chair between your knees and you're watching wheel of fortune and uh. you've got this cane and it's got to stay wet you know and you're just pull weaving this pattern as you watch TV, oh and then it sits overnight, it dries hard as a rock. Wow. Where it will not, you know, yeah. you penetrate it. And it's just, it's, they would buy, they made that home chest, they bought that home chest, completely restored it, made the cushion, did the whole, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you know I love woodworking, you know I made my air conditioner covers. Oh my God, yes, I know. Uh, I invented air conditioner covers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got to put those up online somewhere. I have. It seems like nobody's interested. (laughs) Yeah. I think they're gorgeous. I love them. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so I would love to flip houses or not just flip houses. That sounds like a cheesy, but like really put some care into. And I love designing. As you know, Chris is always like, oh, poor you that you have to be a comedian. You know, because I'm like, I want to be, I wish I was a designer who's yeah. like, oh, you poor thing, you're a comedian. No, you would be so good. Because, you know, I've, I'm addicted to HGTV, I'm addicted to, you know, I love painting, as you know, I will paint anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Dow is like a gym, Dow Comedy Studio, is just like, you're like, oh, what's this little slip of a thing? You open the door, you're like, oh my God, 
It's so lovely. I know. That's how I. Yeah, you've just got you. You've got your touch, and it's your signature touch. It's the Bobby. And I, my mama decorated everything within an inch of its life. Like you could not go to set a glass down without there being like bears having a tea party. Oh God! You know, or some kind. Of, it was like every inch just, of every, yeah, like yeah. You were living in like <laughs> like with the Christmas villages at uh, Christmas time. They got bigger, bigger. I was like, you're actually living in the Christmas village now. I was like, I'm gonna come here one day. You're gonna be like skating on that little ice mirror, uh, like some fucking Twilight Zone thing. But yeah, all these stuffed dolls and stuffed animals and all this like just. Baroque. Oh my god. Baroque as fuck. <laughs> just but packed, packed yeah, to the brim. Yeah, just very eclectic. <laughs> uh, busy. If you don't know what baroque means, busy as fuck. <laughs> um, and plus, baroque is in B R O K E also. Um, so I try to have some of that minimus. You know, like design is just like comedy. You know, like you when you're done, you go back and you go, what can I take out? Mm. What can I remove? You know, with with comedy, you say, okay, what, the, every word, every syllable, does my audience have to know this in order to get the punchline? Is this a necessary information or is it superfluous? And it's like they tell women, you know, before you walk out the door, look in the mirror, take off one accessory. Mm, oh, yep. You know? And it's like with design, when you're done, you stand back and you go, what is, what is too much in here? What is, what do I need to remove? What? I love it so much. I, I love know. painting, and you know me, I got my straight ass lines. And People I know. should hire me as a painter. I I'm know. a really, really good painter. And I feel like I've got a good eye for color. And like how this, this little part of the, it, this green on these two walls differentiate the living room space from the dining room space, but the green in the back of the built ins in the living room really speak to the dining room and give them that relationship totally. back. Yeah. And I always like that you're, like, always still adding little stuff. Like, sometimes a, a Dow, they'll just be, like, a new little thing here. Or, like, a new little pillow. And every everything light. I do, Chris is like, oh, nobody's going to notice that. But Nobody cares. And I was like, they do. People notice the details. And you know what? Even if people don't know they notice the details, they're noticing the details. Because they're yeah. noticing that everything looks right. Yeah. You know, nice. that their eye's not landing on any kind of problem or, you know. But yeah, I try to make it all, you know, that patio is lovely. And the bathroom with the, the, bathroom. the tampons. Yes. And do the, you love that? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the deal. I've never worn a tampon in my life. I don't know anything really? about tampons. I, I, yes, I have uh, scar tissue, so I only oh, so wear pads. Right, yeah. Right. So I was like, I, you know, we try to make Dow women focused. Our first, you know, thing is women. That's why the bathroom's cute. And there's always toilet paper. As long as there's a breath in my body, you will never go in my bathroom and find no toilet paper or no soap or no paper towels. Correct. So I was like, I want to add. So I also in the in the. In the storage room, I added a little table with, like, lotion and tissue and wet wipes and a oh, little nice. hand mirror. And then I put a full-length mirror in there, too, in case anybody, you know, any woman needs to go in there and make a ch- You know, like, mm-hmm. it was for the festival. Yeah. But then I, it occurred to me, what else could I have? I was like, what else could I have in here to make it more women-focused and women-friendly? And it occurred to me, tampons. Because it appears like I'm the only one that doesn't wear tampons. Everybody else in the world wore tampons. So I wrote my niece, who I raised, and I was like, what kind of tampons do people wear? Yeah. And she 
within like 10 seconds, sent me a picture on the phone. Like she had a picture of a box of tampons at the ready, ready on her go. phone. Just waiting for someone to ask her. Oh my and God. I went to the store with that picture and that's the ones I bought. And I, I keep, and they've been used. I replaced them, you know. Oh my God, that's great. But I don't even bleed anymore, really. Oh my God. But gosh. I never wore tampons anyway. But I wow. do that because I'm a good person. Yes, you are. I love that. And that lotion. Okay, so you know that lotion that's in the bathroom? <laughs> so K-Bear gave it to me. And K-Bear, who I just talked to recently, I, uh, he came, next time he came to Dow, he came out of the bathroom and he was like, did you really put $250 lotion in the bathroom? Uh, and I was like, did you really buy $250? I was like, you need to adopt a kid. You need to sponsor a child. But it's scented. I can't put scented lotion on. Oh, got it. Yeah. I, I'm hypersensitive. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to be smelling. So anyway, I put it in there. And several times women have gone on stage and said, this is the best open mic bathroom in oh, town. Oh, I bet. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I haven't even tried that lotion. Jeez. You should. It's I better great. get on he, it. He, did, he got it for free because he's a makeup artist. Right. But it does cost $250. Oh, what profession, like, what job would you hate to do? Like, what would you not like to do at all, well, ever? I worked in a factory for 30 days on Christmas break from college. And my mantra was, I will never drop out of college. <laughs> the whole time I was there. <clears throat> and see, my people are factory people. My people work in factory for 30 years. I worked in a factory for 30 days. I thought I was going to fucking die. Oh, yeah. It is the hardest, most repetitive. And people like, oh, those GM workers getting to the $20 an hour. That's why we can't afford. Have you ever done that fucking job? That shit is hard. <laughs> and it's so repetitive. Because mm. you're doing, everybody has to do the same exact job all day long. And you're standing in one place. It's not like walking. You're right. standing. I lived on BC powders. Do you know what BC What's powders BC? are? No. BC powders is a southern thing. It's but I've heard they have some here sometime somewhere. They mm. it's like you're pouring aspirin down the back of your throat in a powder. Ew. And it knocks the pain out of you, but it will tear your stomach up. So I did that job for thirty days and I ended up with the worst fucking stomach afterward. Oh my god! But yeah, people who do that kind of manual labor, I don't think they appreciate what it. I don't think yeah. rich people appreciate what hell it is. It's horrible. I worked for Maxell Tapes. I don't know what that is. It's a cassette tapes. They're like cassette tapes, like the blank yeah, tapes. Yeah, and so I would take the, the tapes and put them in the sleeve for them to go through the shrink thing. Oh, and that's and it. That was your it. one action. Yeah, that was your one. That's how specific it is. Wow. And you want to die. <sighs> I worked at a crouton factory soul. for like two hours. A crouton factory? What are you, Lucille Ball? And that, it's like the only factory that was in Wareham. Did you get fired for eating croutons? No, I left because they wanted me to operate some kind of forklift. And I thought I was going to be like Lucy, like getting the croutons out and like having a fun silly time. But it was like some kind of butch thing and you're not supposed to operate one of those without a license I, they well, shouldn't have put you in that position no I know it was like yeah you're gonna learn to like drive this it wasn't even like a big forklift it was just like a little leg but like I didn't want to be like driving machines I wanted to be on the line picking up those burnt croutons but you know what it actually would have been better to be driving the machine because you get to sit all day Oh, man, I know, but it's so intimidating. It was like you had to use it to pick up big crates. And if you made a mistake, someone would die. Oh, my God, absolutely. Yeah. And then Fat Matt would come out of the shadows. Oh, oh, oh. If only he would come out so that you could 
<laughs> Kill him. I wish Fat Man, I wish he could come on the podcast. Do you really believe he's listening? Um, I believe he probably listened to some. I mean, I certainly wouldn't listen to to the. St- I wouldn't be able to handle all the stuff you're saying. He's I so- mean, I feel bad that that you went through all that that he treated you that way. He's and- so fucked. I I don't maybe, unless he's like gone through some great evolution. He's just like the kind of sick fuck that would listen to it just in case there would be something that he could like sue me for. Yeah. You know? Well, can he? I don't think so, no. I mean, never use his real full name. I love how you kept saying follow us on the the weed cap <laughs> on Twitter. And there was, ne- I went to it and I was like, this does not exist. And you kept saying it every episode. You're like, at the weed cap. I was like, there is no at the weed cap. Then there was Instagram. You just started saying Instagram instead of the weed cap thing. Yeah, and then I just kept, I've just been sticking to Instagram. And you were doing it on while you were with Michelle. You just didn't go through with the creating because it still doesn't exist. Nobody ever took it. Well, I no, I did it for. I had it on there for a while. No one ever used it. The weed cap. Yeah. Oh. Like the Twitter account, and then um, when I stopped, kind of that part of the show, because then I just kind of combined it all. But don't you still call it the weed cap? No, because now there's no, now there's no, well, when there was, even when Don't say now there's no weed, because there's still weed. Well, there's still weed, but there's no, like, and now it's time for the weed cap, because, like, honestly, it was just such a hassle to, like, have to, it was like doing two shows in one, so Uh now, so then I just started doing the chapter part, and then I would talk a little, and then, like, I'd have Michelle call me, and I'd just record, because it was, like, such a production to, like, go to every week, like, you know. What's your other question? Is Brandon cute? Oh, I'll show you, Brandon. Okay. What am I looking for? Oh, Brandon. Brandon. Let's go to Instagram. Uh, the last question is... Oh, this candy melted. Okay, there's Brandon's like, oh, I'm attractive. Look at me. I'm, I'm in the water. Is he still hiking around with those guys who... Um, oh, they still... Yeah, for sure still like... Like, they do like big camping trips. Here's his actual face. He's cute. He's from North Carolina. His dad lives in North Carolina. He's from the Bay. Oh. So he, that's where he like grew up. Also, so part of that. the reason why his friends might have said, ugh, is because he said, I think they did some gay shit. Like he kind of set it up. Like it was well, some weird shit going on. And that really like showed me like, you know, he had to present it that way because like otherwise, like that's like a great example of toxic masculinity. Like that's just like the, the macho alpha. So weird. he couldn't be like, he could not oh, be hey, like, I heard about this. Hey, did thing. You, yeah. Like dude, my friend, you know, told me about like getting had at a rest stop. Like there's no way that could have. That's the kind of thing Sally would do. Hook up with somebody at a rest stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She would absolutely do that. She's hooked up with somebody on a layover on a plane. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, all right, last one, ready? Okay. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You must be on mushrooms, because heaven does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) Is what God would say to me. Heaven does not exist. God does not exist. It's all just fairy tales. It's just like, it's like, uh, 365 day Santa Claus and shelf on an elf. Oh I mean, elf on a shelf. <laughs> what? I hate that elf on a shelf How shit. How creepy. That That's, would freak me out I'm as a kid. S- I'm so glad that shit was not what real What a fucking a narc. I, <laughs> yeah. And just creepy. And shame on you parents for yeah. like going around and moving He's an watching elf. you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and God is watching you. <laughs> Everyone's watching you. Yeah. <laughs> I went to New York City and I was like, okay, there's definitely not a God. 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, there are too many motherfuckers here for him to be keeping up with what everybody's thinking and doing. And every time yeah. somebody says fuck. Yeah, could you imagine watching all that shit? I mean, in my town, it's easy to believe you could keep up with that many people. Yeah. You know? And people probably are. Um, I, I want. Where can people go buy your book? They can either get it at Amazon or from me. You can either come in person to Dow Comedy Studio or you can go to thedowofcomedy.com and Dow is spelled T-A-O and you can order it online and I will sign it and send it to you. Or you get it from Amazon. Feel free to leave a good review. The reviews are so good on Amazon. Oh, I haven't been in a I while. read them when I'm depressed. Oh, really? I'm like, who is this person? Um, <laughs> but don't get it on Kindle because they practically, I practically have to write you a check every time you get it on Kindle. Don't, okay. Kindle is terrible for authors. Okay. I get, I get like nothing. No, so Amazon. 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 Go to Amazon. Or me. Um, is, can they get the, uh, your co- comedy album? Where can they get yes. those? I have three albums. Uh, one is called Finally. One is called Women Are Crazy. Because we're not. And the last one's called Feminazi Cunt. Which was named after my stalker's nickname for me. <laughs> um, they're all on Spotify and eMusic and iTunes. Whatever the kids are doing. You're, you're on all That's the... what they're on. All right. Yeah. Cool. I don't handle that, but... And then where can everyone go just for, like, classes at Dow Comedy Studio? Yes, DowComedyStudio.com. Dow is spelled T-A-O. Follow us on social media. You can come to class for free and check it out. They're really fun. It's a very women-friendly, LGBT-friendly, and dude-friendly, you know? Yeah. It's a... Um, it's a friendly place. We're friendly. We're just not douchebag-friendly. Yeah. So, we won Best of L.A. in L.A. Weekly. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we do shows on Saturday nights. We do multiple open mics a week. We do a punk rock feminist comedy festival once a year called Laugh Riot Girl. I did it. It's great. It's a midnight show. It was fun. That's my favorite show. I always put the people I like the most. So people are like, why am I in the midnight show? I was like, it was a compliment, but whatever, bitch. (laughs) And um, what about you? What about your social media? Oh, well... I am. I just have a regular Facebook friend page because I got tired of having two pages. That shit is a. Because it used to be yeah. that you could only have five thousand friends, and then that was it. But so I had a fan page. But now you can have five thousand friends plus any number of people can follow you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I got rid of the thing. That's smart. I want to get rid of the stupid second page because it, it's, it's annoying. Too, I can't. It's just too much because I felt like I had to put a different joke on each one. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, but on Twitter, I'm at the Bobby Oliver, and Bobby spelled B-O-B-B-I-E, the Bobby Oliver. I did not come up with that. Chris Oliver came up with that. I did not call myself Was Bobby the, Oliver taken? Yes, Bobby Oliver was taken, and uh, Bobby Oliver Comedian was too long, so I was like, why did you make me the? Everybody's going to think I did that. Um, so that's where I am, and I post a lot of jokes and political stuff. And a pimp stuff. And and I'm technically on Instagram. I'm Dow Comedy Studio. I'm the one That's that right. runs that. You don't have a but Bobby no, Oliver I refuse. I'm not getting on anything else. And I, I, trust <laughs> me, I would get off Facebook and or Twitter tomorrow you if can't. I didn't use it to pimp my shit. Like, I want to get an intern to just run my social media so that I don't ever have to look at... Oh, my God, it, yeah. It is the... Honestly, job. it's like the worst thing mm-hmm. in my life is the so, is social media. First of all, everyone's doing better than you. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone is happier than you. Yep. And everybody is leaving the dumbest fucking comments. comments. <laughs> Why, every time I post a joke, some idiot, who, by the way, didn't even like the post, mm-hmm. has to add their joke in the comments. Yep. Nobody would... Put you put your joke on your page. You know what? If I write a joke, if I post a joke and you don't like it, and you post a joke, that's called heckling. <laughs> and everybody has to check. No, actually, it's so and so, and you should do so. Oh, just go fuck yourself. Yeah, I know. <sighs> it's horrible. I never see you on Twitter anymore. Remember when we both had? Okay. I know. Remember when did, I made you get on Twitter? We did uh, like sex talk on. There's like a whole. It's like a, a scary world. It's a whole situation. Twitter is a very scary. Twitter. Yeah. I was like, uh, buy something. I was like, buy. Is boys. that still there? I don't think so. I don't know. I wouldn't even. Which is so funny because you were like so not buy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Although maybe you are. But maybe I was trying to question trick, I was trying to trick other guys into like. Yeah talking yeah. and stuff but I, did, I think I went on like twice but yeah, yeah it was I wish I'd never joined Twitter I wish I'd never joined Facebook it brings out all of my most my, all of my insecurity like I yeah. it, I already think everyone hates me and that I'm being left out of everything yeah. I don't need proof <laughs> that everyone's doing all these shows and parties and everything without me even though I wouldn't go if you invited me of course, yeah, I, I know. Go I know. To a party or a show. It's horrible, and yet stupid. it sucks you it's in. So it's horrible. Um, when are you doing my show again? I don't know. I, I last I heard there might have been like a LGBT show. Oh yeah, yeah, that's in December. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Of course you could also do other shows. I'm in that one as of right now. And then you know I show up when you text me sometimes. Isn't it crazy? I'm the understudy. I'm the resident understudy. You know, there's some people that if you text them, do you want to go up tonight, somebody canceled, they will go into a sheer state of panic. Yeah. <laughs> over that question. But you're like, yep. Yeah. I'll just do it. And you improve the show. It's so crazy to me. Like, we turn people away from shows, and then somebody the night of the show will cancel or not show up or... Well, and I... um. Like, I, I don't go out and do a lot of comedy, and I'm always saying, like, telling myself how much I want to do it. And so, when I get, when I literally get a text, an opportunity, I can't say no. It's like, it would be such a fuck you to the universe. Yeah. If I was like, but like, Mark Leonard is hilarious, and he always wants to get up more, but the idea of just finding out. Yeah. Would, you know, and I'm the same way. You want to go up now? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But you've been asking to be on this show for like six months. I know, but there's not enough notice. Yeah, it is terrifying. They're like, it's an eight hours. No, it's not <laughs>